Salam guys and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by the Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host Salim Qasim. Um and this week, uh, to be honest, there's actually a bit of an opportunity for everybody listening. Um, and that's the opportunity to be able to save a life. Um, the Match for Sara campaign, which I don't know if you guys have come across, um, is it basically a campaign that's trying to find a stem cell donor for a sister by the name of Sarah who comes from Middle Eastern descent and what's quite staggering and we, we talk about this I'm joined by Faisal who's um, Sarah's brother and he talks about his own personal story and Sarah's story but also like just a wider understanding of what um, stem cell donation can do and the skewed nature of the fact that um, ethnic minorities have much lower chances of finding stem cell matches um, and, and thus receiving life uh, changing but, but life giving ultimately um, treatment and support so um, yeah but basically the opportunity is very simple the link's going to be in the description but joining the stem cell um, donor register is extremely simple we go on to talk about it and understand it from a very simple perspective but it's interesting ever since we recorded the podcast i've basically been asking everyone that i know whether they're on the register and if not why not because it's a very simple process it's just like a swab in the mouth Faisal will talk about it more on the actual podcast but it's something that you join the register you're on it for life um and i think until you're 61 or whatever and um it has the potential if you get called up it's a very seamless thing it's as simple as giving blood um and it has the potential to actually save someone's life so that's that's it really it's a a great opportunity to um do something amazing in a very kind of passive way you have to you know take five minutes out your day to sign up you'll receive the kit uh, do the swab, join the register, and, and then that's it. You may never get called. I think it's one in 800 people, he goes on to mention, get called up. Um, so definitely do consider this, please, guys. Um, I, I, as I mentioned, there's a, there's a huge skew against, I think, minorities. Anyways, Facebook's going to talk about it much more in detail. Um, but yes, uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Faisal. Salam, Faisal. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. How are you, Salim? I'm good. Thank you very much for for joining me on the podcast today. Um, I think it's it's probably best to just jump straight in with uh, the Match for Sarah campaign. People in London that are listening uh, may be aware of the campaign. It was all over Twitter, um, was featured in the Metro and various other places. And 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 Sarah is is your sister. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about what? what the the hashtag was about what the campaign was about and also you know your your personal and your sister's story as well absolutely and and thank you very much for having me on look um sarah's a 41 year old mother of two she's my sister she has two beautiful young young boys nawaf and fahad she's married to a loving husband muhammad um and unfortunately 10 years ago we were told that she has a condition called myelofibrosis, which one day will lead to leukemia. And at the time, they told us that a stem cell donation uh, would be the only way that actually that can be cured. But for a stem cell donation, you need a donor. And unfortunately, it's not like matching blood types. You actually have to match something called HLA types, which is the, uh, it's a protein in the, in the white blood cells. And that basically means that your genetics have to match. 
And matching genetics is a lot harder than matching blood types because you've only got a few blood types, but you've got thousands and thousands of different permutations of genetics. The yeah. finding of stem cell donor is really difficult. And we didn't find one 10 years ago, even though she needed one back then. But they said, fine, we can put her onto some medication and she can manage her condition for the next 10 years. And that's basically what's been happening. But last year, they said that the medication just wasn't working as well anymore. And that at some point soon, she will need a stem cell donor. And that's effectively where we are today. So we've gone back out to the public, to our community, and asked if we can find somebody who'd be willing to donate stem cells. Uh, obviously keen to tell you more about that as we go on, but so far yeah. we haven't found anybody who's a strong man. I think, I think you know, before we kind of get into the, 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 the stem cell side of things, obviously, firstly, you know, my, uh, I don't want to say condolences, but, you know, my thoughts are with you and your family just because I can't imagine what this must have been like 10 years ago and then also the last 10 years having to kind of go through that um and, and you mentioned it i think in the kind of metro interview that you did as well but what was that like for for her and, and for you guys as a family when you first find found this out i mean we were devastated we were absolutely devastated and it was it was it was a feeling of helplessness and that's yeah. probably the scariest part of it is that this is what we can go out and we can campaign but ultimately you are relying on other people to come forward and help you out and that that probably is the scariest part of it it is the the feeling of helplessness um now i don't think that we are helpless i think there's a lot that we can do with the help of the community but that yeah. probably is the scariest bit and having to live with that for 10 years obviously it's difficult for the family but i can't imagine what sada and, and her family are going through as well yeah, I, I think that's the thing. And it, it's always difficult because like I've, I've, you know, being a part of the Muslim community, generally we're associated to mosques and community centers. And so often you come across stories of individuals or family members of, you know, tragic accidents, for example, that take place. And whilst you, you're, as a community member, your, your heart kind of bleeds for them, but you can only begin or you can't even begin to imagine i guess what the what the family must be going through um and <clears throat> i think also like when it comes to these kinds of things it's also approached very differently so i, I can think for example of of uh, an individual in our community who um who had who passed away from some type of cancer um she was a mother as well and, and they didn't tell anybody about it so no one knew and then suddenly one day she passed away and then after her death everybody found out and even like her, her closest friends for example had no clue um you have other cases where it's a very kind of public thing and and i mean you know when 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 you got in touch with us initially this this notion of stem cell donation like as i said i know very little about it but i remember there was a, a particular case where i think it was a either a, a young boy in our community or a young boy his school friend who was from the same ethnicity as us um ha needed a donor and and needed to find a match and there was this there was this frantic campaign to kind of see what can be done but i think what's interesting is i remember they'd set up a stall at the mosque and and they were taking swabs to see if you're a if you're a potential match then you go on the register from there but there's i i there's this kind of um hesitance almost to, to really commit to finding out because I almost feel like you know on, on the one hand if you get kind of too close there's that weird 
fear and anxiety that people have when it comes to illness and and, and cancer as well and, and you know when we when we spoke last week we were also saying that this uh talk of of cancer and and terminal illnesses and whatever else is relatively taboo in the community and i know that you've obviously done some work um over the last few years with the asian and middle eastern blood cancer trust what's your experience been of of going out and and having conversations and trying to educate minority communities specifically about this kind of stuff it's a really really good question it's a really good question and there are so many angles to it as well you've got the angle of kind of what do people think about the illness itself then you've got the other angle of it of what do people think about helping um and there's there's this kind of two mindsets to that um in terms of the illness itself there is there is, um, as you say, there's, there's almost sometimes a pride within, within the community. And that pride of the individual means that they don't necessarily want to reach out for help, but they want to keep it quiet. They don't want to draw too much attention to themselves. And mm. it means that actually sometimes in, in, within the community, you find that people are a lot less willing to reach out for help. So it, when, when somebody goes through this, normally they'll have a massive campaign uh, and it will be national and they'll go on the news and they'll tell their story, et cetera. Whereas our community, generally speaking, are not as willing to do that. And what you also find very often is that media outlets don't really want to run a story about this type of thing when the individual themselves might be a little bit shy or have too much or whatever it is to actually go out and talk about it, which only exacerbates the problem in our community. And by the way, it does yeah. affect our community even more than others. So, you you mentioned uh, so, so when we spoke last time you mentioned uh, uh, an incident that you had with like a national media outlet are you are you comfortable with kind of talking about that yeah I'm I'm happy to talk about it and we're still in conversation with them that, that they are being very helpful about it but fundamentally um, I'll I'll be honest you know I've when I reached out to certain PR agencies that I've worked with in the past just to get their advice on how we can get this story publicised. Um, the response that we had gotten was that if you are from uh, particular segments of the community or if you are from, or if you're not willing to do X, Y, and Z, then they wouldn't necessarily want to run the story. And there wasn't too mm. much account of uh, the cultural sensitivity of the individual. There wasn't too much account of what this individual might be going through at the time. And as I say, all, all that does is it just exacerbates the problem even more. Um, yeah. because people from our community are a lot less likely to find a stem cell donor. There are lots of reasons why that's the case. Um, so, uh, you know, having said that, some national outlets have been very, or regional outlets at least, have been very, very willing to help out. Uh, the Metro, yeah. for example, published the story. And I'm sure that other people will continue to publish the story. But probably this is an opportunity to call out and say, if anybody knows anybody who'd be willing to publish this story and publicize it, if you don't find me doing it, yeah. and to be as kind enough as Celine to offer their time and their help on this, uh, I would I would absolutely love to, 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 to put the story out there because it's not just about Sara. Actually, there is a wider community issue here that we're not talking yeah. about. And the myths are pervasive, massively pervasive, as, as you and I have discussed. And and I I feel like also you know you, you mentioned that that her first diagnosis was ten years ago, um, but a lot has happened a lot of uh, like there's been a lot of uh, changes with regards to social media and people being more able to be vocal about issues and 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 causes and whatever else. 
what what was it like at the time for the family um you know how, how I, I even even sarah herself because you you've you mentioned again in, in the metro piece you were talking about her kind of um giving birth at the age of 18 and then competing university and and having like a very sort of can-do and pragmatic um attitude so w- what was it like at the time and 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 how did how did you all kind of react and and deal with the news I think the first thing that we did was rally around her. And as soon as we found out that there was a possibility, that there was any possibility of finding a stem cell donor to help her, that was the first thing that we went out and did. Um, mm-hmm. For her herself, the attitude that she has taken is that whatever it is, life is a blessing. And alhamdulillah, she's had many blessings in her life. Um, but from, from my perspective, I, I obviously want to help my sister. Um, but then I also see that there is a wider community issue and I don't want another family to have to go through that. So for, from, for us, it was, it was purely a case of just rallying around her and making her feel better and making her feel comfortable. And, but at the same time, as I said before, there is a feeling of, of helplessness almost. Yeah. And that I, I'm not quite sure how to kind of get around that. Uh, but what I do does that do, do do you still do you still kind of feel that now or or like I'm trying to understand like is it something that you learn to deal with is it something that goes away or is that kind of helpless feeling just always there in the back of your mind? It's it's a feeling that you have to fight. That's how I would describe it. Because yeah, the feeling is absolutely there. But if you look at the reality and if you look at the practical reality and if you look at the the possibilities that are open to us today it's not an entirely helpless situation. That's not what it is at all. Actually, there's a lot of silver linings. There's a lot of positive things because, yeah, 10 years ago, I didn't know too much about it. But through the work that I've done with the Asian and Middle East and Blood Cancer Trust, through some of the community response that we have seen, through the support that we have received, um, and through medical advancements as well, medical advancements that actually make it easier to donate stem cells I have started to realize that actually that feeling, that's not something that you should entertain. You should fight it, yeah. you should grow with it, and you should, uh, you should I, try to... I, I guess it, it becomes something to channel, I'm guessing, right? Because it, it, it's, it's like with, with, with anything, fear, anxiety, whatever it might be, it can either be a consuming thing or it can be a driving factor. Um, and I guess for yourselves, like you said, if it's something that you're learning to... Um, I think you said deal with or, or, or to, to process in some way, then it's all about how you kind of channel that energy. Um, and I guess, you know, your uh, your example is one of, of kind of um, using that to to then actually further the cause. And, and like you mentioned just a while ago, that it's not, um, you know, even like the conversation that we're having today, it's not specifically about Sarah, um, whilst we are talking about her and her campaign and everything else, but it's also about, the wider thing with regards to ethnic minorities when it comes to stem cell donation and i think it's is only when people start to look at the numbers that you realize the scale of the issue here um so again please correct me if i'm wrong but i've got a few stats i had written down so 60 there's a 69.5 percent chance of finding a match if you come from a white background um that reduces to under 20 percent um for ethnic minorities and just five percent if you come from Middle Eastern background, and, and you mentioned earlier that's also because of this um, the issue of, of of matching. So actually, can you explain why why that's the case again, please? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's actually a register of people who are willing to be stem cell donors. It's a bit like the mm. organ donation register, but it's specific to stem cell donation. And yeah. basically about 2 million people are on the register at the moment. And the overwhelming majority of them are of Caucasian ethnicity. So if you're Caucasian, because there are so many more Caucasians on the register, you're more likely to find a match. If you're an ethnic minority, in particular black and Asian, there are a lot less black and Asian people on the register, so you're a lot less likely to find the match there. So it's only 20% versus just under 70% if you're Caucasian. In terms of Middle Eastern people, of 2 million people that are on the register, it's, only under, it's about under 4,000 people. 4,000 of them are actually Middle 4, Eastern. 4,000. 4,000, wow. right? So, and I think there's, there's roughly about 400,000 Middle Eastern people in the UK, probably more, but that's statistics that are the official statistics that are out there. So yeah. it just makes me think, okay, so how many more, how many people should actually be on there? And if you look at kind of statistically and proportionately, we should have at least kind of 20, 30, 40,000 people on that register. And I think yeah. the reason people don't sign up to it is kind of twofold. One, people don't know about it. People don't know that there is a thing called the stem cell donation register. And two, people associate, because it's an unknown, people have a fear of the unknown. But what gives me a lot of hope is that when we, when we were campaigning with the Asian Middle East and Blood Cancer Trust, we used to go into community events and affairs. And we would actually set up a store and we'd have our swabs there, the same kind of store that you visited. And uh, we would speak to people and we would try to dispel those myths. And what gives me a lot of hope is to know that actually there are a lot of myths in the community and as soon as you deliver the message out there and you tell people actually how easy this is, how simple it is, how straightforward it is, actually people are willing to donate and sign up. What we need to do is and get the message out there. So, so I think it would help because um, even even as I said, I'm I'm I th I believe I'm on the register, um, but I have no clue what that means or what would happen if I get a call saying I'm a match for somebody and can do whatever. So, if if we look at your sister's case. Um, what what would what what's the kind of process? So let's say, inshallah, she does find a, a stem cell um, match or donor. Uh, what what then happens from there on on the end of the donor, but also on on the end of the recipient of the the, the stem cells or, or whatever that process is. Yeah, sure. So if you sign up to the stem cell donation register, um, it's not 100% that you'll get called. In fact, it's a very, very low likelihood you'll get called because of how difficult it is to actually match individuals, right? So to give you the stats, every eight, or only one in every 800 people that sign up actually ever get called. So it's, wow. but if you're a young male, it's one in every 200 young males will get called up because young males actually tend to be more successful donors. So you get a phone call and they tell you that you're a match with somebody, would you like to donate? And they say, and you say yes, I'm still happy to do that. And then you go into hospital, they do a health check and MOT to make sure that everything's okay. Once that passes and it clears, uh, you go into hospital and uh, they may or may not give you two or three injections over two or three days, but you don't stay in hospital. You just pop in, they give you the injection, you go home. And then on the third day, you lie down on a bed, uh, whilst you're watching Netflix and you're eating and they serve you lunch and tea and coffee and all of that. And they basically just put, you know, take the blood out of your arm, wear it through a machine, and then it goes back in again. It's a very, very similar process to dialysis. So when you when you say it goes back in, it goes back into your body? It goes back in because they have to take okay. the blood out and then they yeah. extract the stem cells and then it goes back in. But it's a very, very straightforward, very, very simple procedure. It's actually administered by a nurse for the most part. Yeah. 
And the side effect of it is that you might feel tired, you might feel fatigued, but those are the main side effects of it. And then you go home the same day. But, so, but, but that's it, basically, on, on, on the donation side of things. That is completely, completely, completely it. And I think when you think about and, and, what you're and, doing, you're saving so, a life. That is the only way but, to save the life of somebody who has that condition or blood cancer. And, and to, join, to join the register, um, I, the process I went through was basically putting a swab on the inside of my cheek for I think it was 30 seconds or 45 seconds. And then you put that in like a little plastic thing and you send that off and that's it. Basically, um, yeah. Is that is that correct? Yep. Yeah, you can go on to www.dkms.org.uk slash Sara and registration takes about a minute. It's your name, age, email address, height and weight and your home address. Yeah. And then they post it to you. It gets to you within seven to 10 days. You get the swabs inside. It's not like the COVID one where you have to put it in your nose. It kind of stays in your mouth. So then you just kind yeah. of leave it there for 60 seconds, put it back in the envelope and free post it back. And that's it. That's, and that's all it takes. I, I, I think what's a bit mind blowing is that the only reason that the 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 chance of finding a a match is five percent in the Middle Eastern community is because more people haven't spent that five minutes doing the you know doing the test like going online. Filling it. Oh God! But why? I, I mean, how? What what's the response been like when you've been to communities? um and and you've been to events and you've set up the stall um like it, it, what's the kind of feedback that you get from people what are people saying i think the feedback has been has been varied right okay so when you say stem cells people don't understand what stem cells are and what they do and how they're created and why and all of that so i think with uncertainty comes uh, come questions that um, may seem kind of out of place for that particular thing, right? But some people will ask you, uh, do they remove your spine? And the answer to that is, is emphatically no. No, there is no removal of spine. Re remove your entire spine. Yeah, just remove your entire spine. Like, emphatically no, you're not <laughs> going to get your spine removed, right? The other question is, am I going to recover from it? And the answer is absolutely yes. You recover from giving blood, you recover from giving stem cells, right? It's, it's, it's not mm -hmm. drastically different. Um, there are some questions in the community around kind of whether it's a taboo to actually do this. You know, is it a taboo to actually engage in this type of thing? And I'm not exactly sure where that comes from, but to my mind, in the same way that, you know, somebody has been afflicted with something, we have also been given the gift and the grace to actually do something about it. So it works both ways. It absolutely works both yeah. ways. And having to deliver that message to people has been eye-opening um but there are there are lots and lots of different things so the community reaction generally speaking has been uncertainty um but i think that's that's something that can be quite common across all communities actually that's really interesting i, I mean I, i'm i'm trying to like almost brainstorm out loud here but but ha like obviously like a piece of content like this where we're talking specifically about this and how people can engage and get involved and and um ultimately you know potentially save a life um but on a on a on the ground in communities uh what's been successful and and, and through the, the the blood cancer trust that you've been involved with what kind of things have worked in terms of onboarding and, and getting people to sign up because that, that number of 4,000 uh, just seems extremely, extremely low. Um, I, but, but I don't understand why that is. 
I think when we started off, it was about I think two hundred and fifty people. So in the work that we've been doing, we've oh wow, okay, well, well, that I I mean that's 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 very promising, I guess. Yeah, it is um, very, very, but there's promising. still a long way it to go. It is very promising, and I think the best thing about it has been as soon as you actually start to dispel those myths, and as soon as people start to understand what it actually is, then immediately they will sign up. It's very rare for somebody to say, okay, I understand what it is, but I still don't want to do it. That's actually never been the mm -hmm. case with anybody that I've spoken to on a face-to-face -face basis when we're out campaigning. So all it is is just about having that conversation. Fundamentally, our community, and I use that term very, very loosely, so apologies, but our community, that whole thing, yeah. it's the most charitable community in the UK. Statistically, it is the most charitable community. Yeah. When you go into any community centre, whether it's a, a mosque or a, a faith centre or a youth club or whatever it is, you can see that most of the people there are volunteers. And you can see that most of the people there want to do good. We campaign, we politic, we fight for our rights. We fight for the rights of other people in countries that we don't even live in. It's a very, very active community, right? All it is is that this message has to be given there. So that for me is, is a huge amount of hope. The other huge amount of hope as well is the social media campaign that we have been running. People are willing to help. People are following it. I think just from the social media campaign itself, um, we've taken, uh, we've, we've signed up so far, I think just under a thousand people and on a register wow. where it's about kind of, it was 3000 and a bit when we started. So, and I think it's roughly around the 4,000 figure now. So, you know, just through this campaign, we've managed to sign up a huge number of people. So there is a huge amount of hope people, but again, it's just about getting the message out there. And, and for people to understand how simple it is and how straightforward the, the donation process actually is. And, and, and I think um, <clears throat> coming back to something I mentioned earlier, you know, your, 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 the campaign, the Match for Sarah campaign, um, like I said, I, I remember a few of my friends talking about this randomly on a WhatsApp group. Um, and, and I think they were also quite bewildered by the, the statistics. You know, when you mentioned the 5% chance in contrast to the almost 70% chance for um, someone from a white background, um but it's um it's it's one particular case as we said amongst a plethora of stories um and and i you know i'd asked you earlier if you had any um other families or stories that, that you would you'd be able to share of people that are kind of in a similar position or have had luck or not um so what uh, you know again through the through the trust and and the work that you've been doing um, what kind of individuals and families have you come across that are in similar positions? And again, what's the what's the outlook been like for them? Because I, I can imagine, you know, you know, we're talking right now on a very practical, pragmatic level, but there is also that that uh, the emotional support and and that whole side of things that's also not easy to deal with. Um, so, what's what's their experiences been like? I mean, I, I can give you a range of experiences from people who, alhamdulillah, have found matches to people who, unfortunately, were not able to find a match. When we, when we, when I started off campaigning, um, there was a, a little girl, a Iraqi girl, actually, who, who needed a match. She was about four or five years old. And again, we looked far and wide within the community, outside the community, globally, in fact, to try and find a match for this young girl. And within the Middle Eastern community, we weren't able to find anybody. But actually, sometimes, subhanAllah, you find a match from somebody who's completely different ethnicity as yourself and yet your genetics match. And for this young girl, who was, uh, you know, 
she she found a match with somebody who was Spanish. She was Araqi to, to begin with. So, you know, in, in that case, it was, I mean, it was, it was jaw-dropping, right, that we actually managed to find mm-hmm. somebody in Spain uh, who was a match with this person. But for some people... How, 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 does, that feel, how does that feel for you? Because obviously it's not your family directly, but what's that feeling like when you, when you find out that, that we, a match has been found? And you're in awe. You're in absolute awe. You, 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 you realise um, the grace of God and the only thing that comes to your head is subhanAllah. SubhanAllah, that you find somebody across the other side of the world who in that particular way and that particular thing is a 90% or 100% genetic match for this little girl. It saved her life. Alhamdulillah, she's growing and thriving today and living a beautiful life of any beautiful young girl. SubhanAllah. And for some people who don't find the match and they do their campaigns and they go onto Facebook and they aren't as fortunate, you see the anniversary post that they post on Facebook. And you see the birthday post that they post on Facebook. And it's heart-wrenching. It's absolutely heart-wrenching because you you can't help but think, could I have done more? Is there anything else that I could have done for this individual? So over the last seven or eight years, and actually we had somebody who signed up via the Asian and Middle East, the Blood Cancer Trust, they came to one of our events, they signed up. They came to next year's event and they came and told us, by the way, I was called on to donate. So through the work that we're doing, and actually we never get told who who signs up to donate and who doesn't because there's a confidentiality thing around it. But she came and told us and uh, it it made it feel like, it made it feel like, I know, inshallah, we've saved more people than that. But just knowing that we've saved one person over the last kind of however many years of work, um, Mm. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a breath of fresh air and you feel like, and you feel like it was all worth it. That, that's really incredible. I I mean, I, I, I realized we didn't actually get onto, so you mentioned what happens on the kind of donor end of things. Uh, what happens for the recipient? What's the process from there? What do they do with the, with the stem cells? Um, and, and what's the road to recovery like? And also, I guess, you know, what, what are, what, what's the, 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 the chances of making a full recovery off the back of that? For the, for the donor, as you discussed, the process is really, really simple. And yeah. It is the only way to save the life of somebody who has blood cancer and their blood cancer is progressing in a way that can't be controlled. It's the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. For the donee, the patient, it, the, the, the road is very difficult. Uh, and there's no two ways about it. It's a very difficult road. I can't sugarcoat it in any other way. Even in the best of circumstances, the road is really difficult. Right? In the sense of when you go into hospital, you have to have at least one to two rounds of chemotherapy. Uh, mm-hmm. And then once you have chemotherapy, they do that to actually shut down your immune system entirely um, and also to get rid of the bone marrow because it's the bone marrow itself, which is the issue. Um, and then they inject you with the stem cells and the injection of the stem cells actually is not that big of a deal. It's literally just an injection effectively by an IV or something similar to an IV. Then after yeah. that, because your immune system is entirely shut down, you are put in a glass box for somewhere between four to eight or 12 weeks. And by that, I mean, you're not allowed to go in unless you're wearing a full hazmat suit and you stay there. A, and a, a glass box, you said? A, basically, yes. A glass, like a room. Like a room, yeah, yeah. A yeah, room yeah. and you're in bed and that's it. Nobody's allowed in or out at all. It's hermetically sealed, which means that not a single piece of bacteria can go inside that room. Because if it does, they have no immune system to fight it. 
not someone who's and, immune and, 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 no immune system at all it, it, this might sound like a stupid question but what are you expected to do for those four to eight weeks well i mean you know you, you might have an ipad you can have netflix okay. but okay so we got netflix in this in this in this setup then you're very weak you are very, very weak in that setup. You can't eat your I guess your, 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 your immune system is, is basically rebooting itself. Your immune system, well, the stem cells are basically taking root and effectively regrowing brand new bone marrow from scratch. Wow. Yeah. So they inject you with the stem cells. So stem cells are the building blocks of all organs and all human tissue. So actually from stem cells, you can create, you know, recreate uh, lungs, heart, whatever. There's a lot of kind of... But basically, they, they use that to recreate the, the, the bone marrow, as, as far as I understand it anyway. So um, they, they use it to recreate that. And you have zero immune system, but also the chemotherapy has made you very, very weak. So to be honest, you might have Netflix, but you can't lift your hand to operate the remote control. That's how weak you are. So that will go between four to eight or 12 weeks. And then after that process, you'll be allowed to go home. But if you go home, uh, again, you will be completely isolated. So you'll be in your own room. And even if your family wants to visit you, they have to take every single precaution they could possibly take. That whole thing will take probably about six months. And then from the six month mark, you will start to have the energy, or by then you should have had the energy to actually be able to walk around and do whatever it is that you need to do. Uh, but still, you can't go back to work full time. After a year, you can go back to work full time. That's These are the average numbers. After about it, it, two years, you'll know you're in the clear. It's a long process. It's, it's 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 crazy how disproportionate it is on the the donor versus donee side. Because as as a donor, you're like you said, it, it's like giving blood. You're done in minutes. Um, but then it's it's just the beginning. Like you weren't joking when you said it's a long road and a difficult road. Um, that's that's incredible. Um, and and I, I think you know, like I said, for me. Um, I've been on the register for a few years. I had no clue what that meant or, or actually, you know, if I was going to be called what they would need or want because I, I knew it was related to bone marrow. But I think, you know, I, I didn't assume my spine would be removed, obviously. But I did think that there was going to be some sort of drilling and something even a little bit painful. But you wouldn't think it's as simple as like a, a needle and just taking the blood out. Um but but it's amazing what you know what that can do for somebody else. That's yeah. that's incredible. And I think when you mentioned bone marrow as well, to give like everybody the context of it, before what needed to be done for somebody with blood cancer was done via a bone mm. marrow donation. Now it's done via a stem cell donation, right? So bone marrow was the old way of doing it, and that did require anaesthetic. And you're in a hospital for two days, and they go into your spleen and they take it out. And a lot of people still kind of would have been willing to do that because of the fact that that is the only way to save somebody's life. Yeah. But now it's a stem cell donation, and sometimes you see the terms used interchangeably, but they're completely different. It's a stem cell donation. I, I like the way I describe it. Right? Is the bone marrow donation was the Nokia 3310. And the stem cell donation is an iPhone 12 Pro, right? Nice. That's where we are today. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I, I mean, th this stuff is fascinating. Like you don't, uh, you don't realize um, the, the impacts that this this can kind of have. Um, I guess look, it, it, we, we've 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 covered quite a lot of ground. Um, I, for me, I, I have one I have final question, and that's you know, two people that are. Are, are listening to this 
um what 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 do you want to leave them with what's the kind of final message from yourself final message is is fairly simple if you're willing to donate blood and i know that a lot of people on this call are willing to donate blood stem cell donation is not drastically different and yet stem cell donation is the only way to save somebody with blood cancer registration takes one minute www.dkms.org.uk slash sara when the registration is done they'll send you the envelope you can do it from the comfort of your own home a few sobs in the mouth it's even easier than giving blood in that sense right a few sobs in the mouth put it back in the envelope and send it send it back and you will know that you are on the register to save somebody's life our community suffers disproportionately from this issue and yet it is up to every single one of us individually to register to sign up and to help save not just my sister but any other family that goes through this because there are dozens dozens and some people just don't talk about it and they suffer quietly off the back of it but everybody listening today they can help out and i really want people to reach out to us at uh, at match for sarah match four the number four sarah on instagram anybody wants to ask any questions about it and 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 one final thing i guess which we haven't covered is is once you're on the register is there like do you have to do it again after a few years or are you on it for life that's it you're on it for life but if you move address or you change your phone number or anything or change your email address do let them know so that they can contact you if they need to okay i actually probably need to do that so i'll, I'll look into that <laughs> thanks um you know you know when they've been trying to call me for ages inshallah not yeah. but you know you, you never know but I'll, I'll, I'll update that no it's um, fine they find you they'll google you though whatever like, <laughs> no, they'll, they'll track me down <laughs> um but no thank you i, I mean obviously it, it, inshallah all the best for your sister and for the the the, the search uh, in that regard but you know i i think it's it's um it's actually very uplifting um just looking at the way that you've individually approach this and and the kind of the work that you've done off the back of that um so i i guess you know probably on behalf of of the countless individuals and, and stories you may never even hear yourself like thank you for the work that you're doing within the community um and inshallah lives that you're saving um and 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 inshallah you, you're, you're able to keep up this this fantastic work moving forward um and, and thank you also for obviously sharing your own personal story and your sister's story and and please do pass on my own personal uh regards to her and and, and best wishes no inshallah thank you so much Salim. really appreciate it appreciate the time i think from our perspective we'll keep on fighting and we'll keep on doing everything that we need to do not just for sara but also for the community as a whole it's a problem that can be solved you know so why not us why not us to solve it inshallah thank you very much man all right thank you so that was my conversation with Faisal. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, guys, and throughout the podcast, we talked about it. It's a very simple thing to join the stem cell um, donor register, and it <clears throat> has the potential to save a life. Um, I don't know what else I need to say. We know from an Islamic perspective, um, the potential or I guess the benefit in saving lives and and this is actually actively making that intention and committing and, and moving forward with it the links are going to be in the description from the UK if you're abroad I think you, if you contact on Instagram um, the the link will be in the description again they can get you in touch with you know whatever infrastructure there is in in your country but if uh, if you want just google it and and find out how to do it and and get it done if possible because genuinely is such an easy thing and can make such a big difference to somebody's life 
Um, thank you for joining us once again, and I'll be back soon. Take care, guys.